Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Ramon Foster show, which is brought to you every week by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they are open 24-7, serving hot, fresh, quality food, and also coffee. What you got there, Ramon? You know what? They have tea there, too. That's what I'm having this morning. I switched it up from the coffee. I went with a little bit of tea when I have time to actually do it. And, hey, I'm, I'm sipping. I'm sipping this Some morning. Some Tennessee tea I see there, Sip along tea. with the Tennessee colors you got there. And yeah. Yeah. Big win for us last night. Huge I, win. I hear you. We got one of these coming your way, too, by the way. You and I know. just sent you my address, and yeah. I can't wait to have it on next week. 3X, baby. 3X. Working, baby. Sitting on top of the box over there. Just waiting for <laughs> waiting for your uh what do we call it? Your uh your CEO to send it or yes. operations manager. Yes, she's all <laughs> over that. It is Steelers versus Bears on Monday night, and it's a very different Steelers team that we're talking about these days. And I have to ask you, Moan, as a lifelong offensive lineman, tell me. Has it done your heart any good to see that people in Pittsburgh have been forced virtually at gunpoint to appreciate the importance of the position, both for better and worse? Now, I'm being serious here. <laughs> no, I'll say this. Across the league, everybody is starting to put a highlight on it because you realize that sometimes – Quotation marks, bad quarterbacks, it's because they don't have much time to throw. Bad run games, it's because there are no real lanes for, you know, running backs to actually hit. It is an art when you when you honestly talk about what it takes to be a good offensive lineman. Some come ready-made out of the package, uh, i.e. Marquise Pouncey. You know, like, hey, we knew he was good from the get-go. I think Trent Williams may have been one of those guys. Uh, but even some of the prime guys, you know, I, I don't know if Bakhtiari was a guy that we knew was going to be a stud all the way around. Um, and just in general, DeCastro had to learn a little bit. He grew, but he had to learn a little bit. Marcus Gilbert had to learn a little bit. Kelvin Beecham, Alejandro Villanueva, just the guys I'm looking at. And then you'll have some guys that come in the league that are, hey, this is the next one. We got to watch him. He's the next one. We got to, hey, all pro, pro bowl. And then they dud out. Um, it's, it's, it's a position where you have to take it very serious. You got to understand that, hey, it is a grinder mentality to play that position. And you know what? You're probably going to eat more crow early on than you do, you know, than you want to as a young offensive lineman too. But it's the idea that you got to let a group grow. It's the idea that, look, if you can keep as many as you can together without moving them around, without the shuffling and let them get a little cohesion and, and rhythm, then you can do something very positive with a group, man. And the appreciation factor, I think, comes into the fact that, look, offenses are a whole lot different now. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this league that are throwing the ball at a high, high rate. And not only that, I think the fact that the, you know, you're seeing the run game diminish across the league for a whole lot of teams that when you have a really good running back, the way Pittsburgh does with Najee Harris, you want to see him shine week in and week out. But the growth of this offensive line is, is part of him getting to that point too. Like Najee's good. But that offensive line up front has to grow a little bit more, has to go through a little bit more trials and tribulation to actually get to the promised land of what you want to see. It sad to kind of say it, but it, it takes time, DK. Well, and here, here, 
here, take this in the in the proper spirit, since you were part of the previous group, mm-hmm. okay? Because I know you're you're a straight shooter here, but is it possible that Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin said to themselves, you know what? Maybe there's an actual advantage to being younger in ways like you obviously you miss out on the experience you miss out on all the tricks of the trade you miss out on being able to tune out seventy three (laughs) thousand people screaming in your ears and all that other stuff but when i looked at that offensive line covering them up in cleveland last week and they're mauling yeah okay you saw it yeah this was not this was not like I'm just going to seal and hold this block. Nah. No, this was this was occasional massacres. Because uh, it's it's this reason when we were, you know, I say about seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, as far as the years in which we were playing together, it became such a norm to go in and do a job that way. Or you know, if it was okay to have a bad game, well, I'll bounce back. Well, for those guys having a bad game or not so great year. And it, when they when they have an opportunity to have a bye week and then go into a stadium and say, hey, we're back to where we need to be, then that gives them the ability to, say, to erase everything out of their mind. The thing about mm. being a young guy and taking so much crap is you hear it all the time. You pay more attention to it. Me, I didn't pay attention to it. So, you know, in my older years, when like 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, I didn't really pay much attention to it because, hey, I'll bounce back. But for those guys, they're taking more personal. So when you have an opportunity, and I'm sure Coach Tomlin and just the offensive coordinator, Matt Cannon, just fed those guys gunpowder all week. If there's a week for you guys to get going, it's this one. And the, the advantage of having a young group is they're so young and dumb that they don't realize they're going to do the job anyway. Okay. But Mike T, and I got to give Matt Cannon his credit, and I'm sure Ben says something to those guys too. He's like, hey. You guys need to be the ones, and you're just like young dogs holding, you know, holding them back on the chain. To where it's like, hey, that was a huge stepping stone for those guys this it, past week. It really because was. I know this. Hmm. I mean, Miles Garrett got a sack. Okay, it was the idea that you got to deal with him in the best way for this young offensive line to set a tone for what an AFC North is going to be is to go beat them in their own backyard. That's one thing that. I think the whole franchise did. When you brought a new guy in in Pittsburgh that you knew it was going to be, you know, there for a while, I never forget when Le'Veon started running good. And he ran out of bounds one time in the game. And Coach T told him, no, that ain't how we play AFC North ball. If you see him, you get him. And now you know time after time, Le'Veon going out of bounds, he, he lowered that shoulder. He embodied AFC North football as a running back. That's something I, I that's something I told Lev once in a in a just a casual conversation. Yeah. I said, I, I said, I just want you to know that I see how you are when you mm-hmm. play Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he he just he looked he he was sitting at a stall and he looked up and he said, Thank you. Like yeah. and, he, and he meant it. He was like he he you know. Because yeah. he's, he's Lev's always been seen as that guy the that's kind of guy. finesse yeah. and slink through and get skinny and all that other stuff. In AFC North games, he was blowing people, for, which was funny for a wiry yeah. kind of guy. Um, I look but, at the physical component, Moan, that this team brought mm-hmm. up front mm-hmm. in Cleveland, and I, and I saw it as the difference. Uh, because when you're when you're getting like. Najee's numbers were was it 26 carries, 91 yards. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now that's a lot of carries to get the yards. 
but you believe in it enough to something that you've talked about a lot to stick with it and pound yeah. away. And it ain't pretty, but it, it said it, it made a point. It made a point that you're not going to make us back down. And that's why that's what the yes. good part is about having a good young offensive line like that that's steadily growing is you guys can't back down because you're not afforded to. But this is the other part on, on letting this many guys who have this small of, of, of a resume to play together in this league is you get them for next year. Yeah. And they yeah. lean on what they did as young guys. And now they're not as young. You I know, had, go ahead. And, and no, I was just going to say, that's the beauty of what they have going on. Like, has it been perfect? No. Has no. it been the worst in the league? No. Has it been the best in the league? No. This is exactly where you want it to be as far as, like, there's a base. Now we step up from there. Yeah, exactly. I have two other things to ask you related to the offensive line. Uh, one is Dan Moore was basically told that that 95 over there, you go ahead and block him. <laughs> Okay, and he didn't get a lot of help, Mm -mm. and that's been the point of some criticism here. Because let's face it, ninety-five still made his, even though he only got the one sack, he he got into the backfield a lot. Um, Why does a coaching staff do that? And is it in any way advantageous as opposed to saying, you know what, we're just going to put Zach Gentry right here on your hip, yeah, and just and just chip away. At, at Garrett and take him out of the game. Why do you why do you tell more? Hey, listen, fourth round rookie, you know, go shut this guy down. Yeah. Well, number one, if you you have a guy in chipping the whole time, it takes away from the weapons. Also, Obviously, that you got yeah. offensively. Yeah. Um, the other part of it is this, and then people get you know they want to say something about it, but let's not forget Ben still has one of the quickest release times or times of holding the ball in the pocket. So he knew the ball was going to be uh, gone. Now, now it, it also goes to this. What better way to grow up? If I allow you to go out there. Yes. If I allow you to go out there and, and think about this with your kids. Now, there was, from what I understand, a helicopter parents. That's a term to be used. You know what I'm saying? There's the, hey, don't do anything for your kids. Like, hey, stop, 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 stop. Like, you can't protect them from everything. Now, there's the, the whole bulldozer parents where they move every obstacle out of the way you can. Well, when they face advantageous type of situations. What are they going to do? What better way than to throw him? It's not like he's like virtually drowning. He just got to go out there and play better than he has against anybody else this season. i never forget, Chooks, when he started against uh, Denver with Von Miller, held Von to zero sacks. Yeah, he Now did. Chooks is better from that. Does he still have room to grow? Yeah. But what do you think that did for his confidence? Yeah. It's through the roof. I mean, Matt Filer, last year, going up against Aaron Donald, or two years ago, going up against Aaron Donald. Like, there wasn't any chip help or anything like that that was necessary. Matt grew up, got paid for that, and now he's a, a, a solid veteran in this league. You can't save him from everything. And also, it's too many weapons on that offense for you to be putting the tight end in that you know is not going to uh, go out and, and, and catch a ball or two. He's just another skill player you're taking away. And we know this to be true. Pittsburgh has a lot of skill players that Ben want to get the ball to. Yeah, I think no, it hinders no the question. offense, and it also takes away from the uh, confidence that you have and a, hey, potential future starting left tackle. Mm-hmm. This is this, too. I think Chooks might be coming up soon. Zach is still there on the contract. Now, depending on what happens with Zach, whenever, however he comes back, um, they, they're planning – for potential future of saying, hey, you three battle it out, or hey, we got to make a decision to keep one of, I mean, two of the three. 
Well, and you're leading right into the last question, which is about Zach Banner, because by every account, he was fully healthy last week and, and didn't get a helmet. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about offensive line, you're talking about chemistry. You're talking about gelling. These are all cliches, especially yeah. in your world, but they're also accurate. They are. And when you start seeing an L-R across the board here, mm-hmm. okay, with you know, with Moore, with Dotson, with Green, with Turner, sure. with Okorafor, and you see that it's starting to happen, why, Moan, would you mess with it? Unless you're bringing out Jonathan Ogden in his freaking (laughs) prime, okay? Why do you mess with that? Why would you do that? You you don't because they that group has something it sucks for Zach and I'll say this too I think Zach is a guy that Mike T is probably holding back a little bit more simply because he's a big guy with an ACL I feel like with Zach's situation it's better for him to still stay out a little bit longer even though he's chomping to get out there simply because Zach has to be I think as healthy as he can to actually get out there you know if that makes sense it does for him to be good Zach has to be all the way right and i say this because zach plays high like his emotions so if he's not feeling good meaning his knee then i don't think we get the best zach like if some guys like i could go out there probably like 85 percent 80 percent and muster it through where i knew like i had to tolerate a certain pain you know like the pain was, was was okay to me whereas with him i think he has to Everything's got to be in sync. It's got to be in sync. And and the other thing, as far as Zach not getting a helmet versus Joe Haig getting one, there has to be an understanding uh, in the public that Joe Haig can back up at both tackles and Zach is backing up only on the right, which is a little bit different. Uh, It's... You know what? These are these are much better problems for the for us to be talking about. You know what? But I, I, res- <laughs> I respect Mike T and the staff for holding Zach out more because I'm sure the pressure of them wanting to put him out there is big. But this is a situation where a coach is really taking the health of his players on yeah. more than the actual play. When we come back on the Ramon Foster show, you alluded to this earlier. We're going to do a segment on it. Why this defense has always been so good against running quarterbacks likes oh say for example someone in the spirit of justin fields welcome back to the ramon foster show brought to you by the get-go cafe and market one thing ramon that's held true about this football team over the years has been the defense has not allowed running quarterbacks to run uh it's been said that the steelers formed the blueprint for beating the Ravens. I know that's something that you really believe in, but they haven't allowed any running quarterbacks to run. Why and how? Well, the the running joke in the room, when even when I was in the building, even when I was a young guy, just be an outside linebacker. That's all he says, just be an outside linebacker, be competent enough to just be the next man up. All the money on the team, aside from the quarterback. Goes to the outside linebacker. Okay. <laughs> I don't care who you are. The most recent one I, I knew of the older guy was just Joey. Okay. Joey Porter. 
be an outside linebacker. That's all he used to say. All he used to say, he used to give out the best gifts on Christmas, okay? You go you on the Christmas uh, Secret Santa, okay? On the Christmas Secret Santa, they'd be walking out with Louis Vuitton bags, Gucci bags, computers, um, just everything. Because the room is so paid. But I'll say this to the point. The room is so paid. It's so paid, okay? First rounder, second rounder, first rounder, first rounder, first rounder, second rounder, first rounder, second rounder. Undrafted guy. Look at this Hall of Famer now and James Harrison. Outside linebacker, okay? There is a tone set in that room, man, that seriously that starts with those dudes. Like, yes, the guys in the middle meant a lot. Casey meant a lot. Kiesel meant a lot. Okay, Hamp meant a lot. Yeah, I mentioned Camp already. Camp, just the whole group, Kersky, Hokey, all of those guys. If going up to Ziggy, anybody, they mean a lot. But those dudes outside mean the world to that defense, and they pride themselves on it because Coach Butts, but, was an outside linebacker also. And the fact that, look, you rest your head on the fact that they know they're getting football guys. And football guys want to play the game the exact same, the, 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 the correct way. A guy like Melvin Ingram, awesome. But look at the guy that they brought in, Highsmith, okay? They're known to get after the ball. They're known to hey, take pride in getting sacks. They're known and also being able to drop in coverage when necessary and also knowing to how to contain a running quarterback. I saw it most recently in my last year with how they went against Kyler Murray. You have a guy like Bud Dupree, oh. who's 6'4", 240-ish, maybe heavier than that, maybe lighter than that, run down a freaking Kyler Murray. From behind, from behind, yeah, I was there because from behind, it, and and it's like Kyler Murray didn't even exist in that game. No, I asked someone else in the press box that day. I said, "Is it possible that he'll want to actually go back and choose baseball <laughs> after this game?" Yeah, because he realized there's guys that at least know how to attack. And and the reason and, and the reason why this team does so well with the outside, I mean, with the running quarterback, is because those dudes that they go get are that good. Even when Ola was in Pittsburgh, he would make a play or two because he knew there was a standard as far as getting the job done at the outside at the outside linebacker position. The guys in the middle push the pocket, and those dudes do their job as best as they can because they know one if they do the job. There's a potential for payday at the end of it. But secondly, you better do your job because if you don't, there's usually somebody behind you that's looking to sneak in and get something from you also. That room is deep, man. The pedigree of those guys, you're in a year. I don't know if there's ever been just a bad one. I know somebody might mention, you know, well, Jarvis Jones wasn't great, but Jarvis Jones still made plays when necessary. Yeah, Jar He's Jar in the books for Yeah, Jarvis stuff, you know? had athleticism. He didn't necessarily have the right frame or size. The body for, the, for it, the yeah. yeah. I think of – Whenever I think of the Steelers facing someone like Justin Fields, and we'll get to him specifically in a minute, yeah. uh, when I think of them facing someone like that, to me, the way this defense has been built for a long time now is around the pass rush. Yeah. Well, what is the pass rush? It's sending everybody after the quarterback. Let's burn. So whenever you're talking about facing Baltimore, the fact of the matter is, other than an awareness – there isn't a modification that no. Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin have to make. What no. they have to make sure is that their OLBs, and you're right to be emphasizing them, obviously, mm -hmm. is that the OLBs make sure that nothing happens east-west-ish. No, it, it doesn't it. come out. There's pride to that. I recently talked to Beecham and uh, James Harrison. <laughs> 
uh, about it might have been a month or two ago, and we were just on the phone with them, and they were just talking about you know what it meant to play in that room. James was. I was on the phone with him. And he was just talking about what it meant to play in that room where those guys paid their dues on special teams. They had to watch older guys go get work in. And then when you got your opportunity, you took full advantage of it. Like, it's legitimately a, a lineage, a like next man up when it comes to those positions, man. And when you do it as well as they have, and you got guys in front of you that can say, he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. Why can't you? So when it comes down to, you know, stopping a running quarterback, <laughs> They've done it. They've seen it all um, from, like you said, Lamar, first time having to see him and get him, Patrick Mahomes, um, and just Vince Young. You know what I'm saying? I remember watching James Harrison suplex him with the Titans pretty much. I mean, he put that man on his head yeah, he because did. you're not going to run on us. Like there's, it's been done for time and time again because for certain teams, the way Pittsburgh play, if you let them run, then they can expose you fully. Being able to get out yeah. of pocket when you when you feel like the front seven are supposed to cover the back four, they can burn a team like Pittsburgh that send guys that, hey, hey, we're going to brush out of our gap one or two times. Like, they can't afford it. So those outside linebackers have to be on their job. Uh, you've okay? rightly mentioned a lot, of, a lot of names here. I want to throw in one more uh, because I thought he always stood out in this regard, and that was Jason Worlds. Okay, worlds. Yes, worlds was a was a guy who would he he controlled his side. Yes, of the line on in in all different ways. And again, not necessarily we were talking about different frames and bodies or whatever. Yeah. Worlds, worlds wasn't you know the bud type build either. No, but he was so quick and straight lined to the quarterback that he'd mm -hmm. find a way to dart through. But it was the same effect, Ramon. It was a bookend effect. Yeah, they came in this way. Now, look, taking, giving some credit somewhere else here. If that quarterback goes forward, <laughs> you, you, know, you better yeah. have somebody, somebody shedding blocks there too, right? Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, and the linebackers too. I mean, young Devin has always been the guy from him, from footy to Ferrier. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always been guys that fill those roles, man. Whether it's a free agent off the road or whatever. But, um, and I even mention another guy. You talk about securing the edge for the run. Who did it better than Lamar Woodley recently? You know, like oh, even Bud. Wood or Bud, but I, I mean, Bud made himself into that kind exactly. of player. Don't run to my side. Yeah, and 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 that was, I mean, that, that's something that TJ was able to do here mm -hmm. virtually from day one. Mm -hmm. uh, but Bud came along in that regard very much as well, and I have no doubt that that's a big part of the reason that Tennessee ended up paying what they did for him because it's not just. No, you know, pinning your ears back and getting the quarterback. It's 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 being all things. Let me ask you about Justin Fields uh, specifically. We know for a fact that Mike Tomlin uh, loved him from yeah. from from the video that everyone caught at the Ohio State Pro Day. <laughs> uh, but what kind of what kind of a player is this, and how's he coming along, and what kind of a threat does he pose to Pittsburgh? You know why he loved him? Hmm. Because he was scouting him also. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he was trying to he see was. what his efficiencies are, okay? Yes. Yes. I love you because I'm trying to keep my enemies close, he okay? Said, you know, for, for anybody who has who hasn't seen that video, it's Tomlin's at Ohio State's Pro Day and 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 the coach puts himself near this one door where he makes sure that he can see the kid on his way out to the field for the pro mm -hmm. day and says something like Give me a show. Give me a show. Let's see what you got here. Let's see what you got. As if this kid 
had, didn't have all the freaking pressure on him in the world. He's now got he's now got Mike Tomlin standing there telling him, "Let's see it. Come on." Yeah, I'll say this too. It's simply, Mike T want to see him do well. He does want to see that too. I, I know, like he's he's a guy, man, that loves the game. He likes the game being in good hands. I know that to be true. Like it might sound weird. He don't show y'all that type of stuff, but he likes the game. He loves to see people compete. And he knew that's what Justin Fields was gonna do, having given the opportunity to say something like that to him. But he also knew he was gonna get the best him. Meaning, hey, if he's going super hard to his right or left, I'm gonna see his best pass or his worst pass. He's want to see every angle of him, and that's what's happened in this league. So we've seen some of the best of Justin Fields so far. I do think he's the quarterback for that franchise. They do have to protect him. That head coach and OC got to get on the same page also. We saw what was it last week when he pretty much took the game over one or two times. They lost, but they took the game over in that yeah. flash. If you get the right coach in Chicago, that flash from what you see here and there is what you're going to get out of him. I think he's a talent. I think he's a guy that's always been up against the ball a little bit, leaving Georgia, having to go to Ohio State and prove himself, um, you know, having a team step up big time to come get you at pick 10. He know he has the backing. He's just got to get the support of the coaching staff to say, hey, you're our guy. And I don't think he does anything wild against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has always had a history of just trying to take out rookie quarterbacks whenever they can. And that's the beauty of what that defense is. And like I said, Coach T been nerd enough to kind of hype this kid up to see his deficiencies. <laughs> you know, he's going to wish him well. Against the other 31 teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of mercy, you would think, <laughs> oh. on Monday. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that they're pretty good at uh, confusing the living hell out of young quarterbacks. That's also a big, big part of this, too. Uh, Moan, when we come back, slice of life. Let's do it. Welcome back. It's time for our slice of life segment with Ramon. and. Ramon, one of the things that uh, you've been blessed to see over the course of your career is a whole lot of black and gold. I have. Everywhere you went. <laughs> it wasn't just at Heinz Field. And you hear these announcers say things like, oh, Steelers fans really travel well. Not all of them travel very far. No. Like, okay. Like they, no. a lot of them, like you go, you're going into a place like a Phoenix, like nobody's from Phoenix. No. Everyone's just from somewhere Everywhere else. Everywhere else. Yeah. Here in Nashville. Nashville I see, is I see license plates and mm -hmm. decals everywhere of Steeler fans. And then, everywhere. Well, and then in Nashville, you have a, also a transient population because you have yeah. a lot of people moving in. It's, it's a fast growing city. Um, but you've also seen people who actually do and I have as well because I make these commercial flights get on the plane and go yeah dude I was in an airport about two weekends ago uh coming back to Nashville and I'm in Atlanta airport of course that's a melting pot of yeah yeah everything. everywhere and I'm walking around this is an early morning flight too so this is prime travel time for game day one o'clock kicks okay or 12 o'clock kicks if it's central and I'm seeing a bunch of see bears see friggin Miami a lot of Miami in the Atlanta uh, airport, I'm seeing Titans fans. I'm seeing Steeler fans. I'm seeing a bunch of just fans. And it dawned on me, like, as a player, I only get the bubble. I only get the bubble. Yes. I travel with the team, mm -hmm. uh, on the road with the team. The charters, too, people should know that these are um, private charters. You don't even right. – you're, you're going right 
you're driving onto the tarmac yes. and getting onto the plane. You don't I'm, see any of this stuff. I don't see any of this. So flying commercial, doing the commercial stuff, even getting on the bus, I don't see that. We get escorted into the hotel, go the back way through the uh, through the restaurants and up the service elevators. Like we don't see any <laughs> of like the travel that happens on game day. But now I'm doing regular pedestrian stuff now. Okay, <laughs> traveling on a Sunday morning, and um, I'm seeing all these different jerseys. It, it dawned on me like. There are people who travel the morning of for 12 o'clock Central, 1 o'clock Eastern game, go to the game and travel back home that same day if possible. And it just it it, it really hit me like it really is America's sport. Like fans really do fan out the support, the dollars. Um, This almost sound like a, a fan appreciation segment almost. But it was just super cool to me to see all these different jerseys, different races, different genders just be in the airport the morning of a game the morning of a game to go support their team i was blown away by it because i just show up to the show you know what i'm saying like that's mm-hmm. all i've ever done from high school all the way in i never traveled to a game heck now this is this is different and i think it's part of what i i, I think it's a big part of what makes the nfl what it is in yeah. our society today is the fact that there's one game a week Mm-hmm. And that allows for two different things in, in my mind, Ramon. One is what you're talking about, which is that you can still be a season ticket holder or someone who goes to all the games, even if your job or something else in your life took you away from your favorite city. Uh, the late Mr. Rooney, Dan Rooney, yeah. uh, once told me that uh, that close to half of the Steelers' own season ticket base at Heinz Field lives nowhere near Western Pennsylvania. That's why our downtown hotels and everything are filled on mm-hmm. a Saturday night because this all people coming in from out of town. Why? Because there's only eight of them. Yeah. And they can get back yeah. to their jobs by Monday morning or whatever it is. They find a way like what you're talking about. The second thing is because there are so few games, yeah, everyone's an expert. Like you if, get a whole if, week, if you have all week, and you only have to commit three hours of your week in order to become like, yeah. you know, Tom Jackson. You're just like the ultimate authority yeah. on this thing. You watch, you can watch all the games and know absolutely everything. And there isn't another sport that affords that opportunity. No. And that's the reason losses suck. That's the reason you know you celebrate wins <laughs> way past the 48 hours that Coach T said we're of uh, we're allotted. Um, but that's also why the bonds with the teams are so much more richer too. That's why the bonds with the fans are so much more richer too. Because nowadays you got that whole week to meet new people on social media. You might see somebody at a store, might see somebody at an airport that you form a bond with, and you become family. You get mad you get excited you get glad (laughs) together too and that's what i recognize like these people who were you know of different teams one saw another day they gravitated to them they shook hands and i was just like this is some cool stuff like it's beyond just the game like that's why i I, I I get it. I don't understand it and I hate it but that's why fans go with players the way they do about you don't love this team the way I do well your dollars are a little bit different you spend you plan from the time the schedule comes out when July till December, yeah. hey, I got to go to this game. Every oh, step, they circle close. them way in advance. And, you know, yep. mm-hmm. and so I, 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 that weekend I was in airport, I, I appreciated the fan aspect a whole lot more. 
And mind you, it was somebody in there. With, <laughs> they didn't have a backpack. They didn't have a rollaway bag. Oh, no, they had just going to the game. on their jersey, <laughs> no toothbrush, nothing, <laughs> and and some and and some matching socks and shoes <laughs> to go to the game. I guarantee you, they went to the game. The game was over at four o'clock. They were in the airport by 6 o'clock going back home. I am back. That's dedication, <laughs> man. I now appreciate that. Great stuff. Moan, let's do it again next week. I'm bored, man. All right.